0: Welcome to Embrace Your Brain with Dr. D. Joy Coulter. These short weekly brain bits give you fresh glimpses into how your mind works and how to develop its natural brilliance. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, our remarkable new brain layer, part two. Our focus today is going to be to develop skill in using the frontal lobe pathway that lets us feel our bodies and the patterns of our mind. You know, we talked about that first trait that they possessed, that none of the earlier layers had, this direct pathway, the nerve pathway, the vagus nerve, that connects the frontal lobes and only that layer to all of the interior of the body, most of the organs, and all of the what we call viscera, the feelings of what's going on in, within your body. This capacity, if you can cultivate it, is going to open up incredible possibilities that we'll be discovering along the way. Now, it's not going to be good enough to just give you information on how they work and what they can do, because that's just going to end up as information or knowledge that your third layer is going to tuck away in your memory files. It's not an experience, then, of entering and using the frontal lobes, and that's our goal in this series of podcasts, It's to give you opportunities to actually use and enjoy hanging out in layer four, to consider more and more engagement with that layer. Today, we'll be exploring a phenomenon that I'm calling a motion path. It's not static, it moves. It's like a little video clip. And with motor programs, you can get the idea. I mean, think about Simone Biles, and she comes up with these new moves, which are so death-defying that they may not even get accepted as competition moves, and they ask her, why are you doing it? And she said, just because I can. She, in her mind then, has got this motion path she conjures up, and she says, I think I can move that way. And sure enough, she can. But that's an extreme awareness of body-mind integration. Way back in the 20s, there was a famous Russian male ballet dancer named Nijinsky, and he would leap so high that it almost defied gravity. And an interviewer asked him once, well, how do you do that? What does it feel like? What's going on in your mind when you make those leaps? And he says, no, no, if Nijinsky is there, then the leap can't happen. In other words, it's not a mental thing at all. Leaping happens. He gets out of the way and leaping occurs. Nowadays, we'll call that a peak performance state. And even as spectators, we can feel the motion paths of others. Think about when you watch figure skating or pole vaulters or team sports maneuvers. Is there a part of you inside that's actually doing it too? so that at the end of watching this performance, there's a part of you that feels like it's had quite a workout, that's great. And can you do that with birds and animals too? Can you engage the sensation of their motion paths? The more you do that, the better, because it's strengthening a skill that has so many potentials. And we're going to be unpacking that over the next couple of podcasts, to see what it's good for. I'd been thinking about motion paths for a long time before I made the next connection, and that was 20 years ago. It was thanks to a conversation I had with a man named Werner Glass. He was one of the pioneers in America of the Waldorf education movement. And he was talking to me because I was involved in helping the Boulder Waldorf movement get started, and I was a bit depressed about how to go about it. And he sat there in the car with me, and he said, well, you know, behind every manifestation, there's an idea. And in my mind, I was thinking, yeah, yeah. And he said, behind the idea, there's a picture. And in my mind, I'm thinking, no kidding. But he kept going, and he said, and behind the picture, there's a gesture. Oh, my gosh, now I got it. These gestures that I'd been thinking of as motion paths, because they're like little choreographies, are the seeds for ideas as well as gymnastics movements. So I'm going to give you a practice, and next time we'll talk about what in the world I used to do with these practices. Think about the way you used to play. Maybe a time before about age 10. So from 10 on down, 5, 6, 7, 8, in there, An activity that you did a lot. Maybe it was swinging, climbing trees, leaping off the garage, (laughs) any number of things, but it's the thing that you did a lot of. And once you get that memory, then rehearse doing it as if you were watching yourself like a spectator at a gymnastics meet. And once you surely have the motion path of that activity, Take a piece of paper and a broad marker or a chunky crayon, nothing with fine points, and just swoop on the page showing the motion path of that activity. No little cartoon drawings of here's somebody swinging or here's somebody digging or here's somebody hanging from their knees. Just the felt sense of how the movement went, like a big swoosh as if it were a bold oriental calligraphy. And the more of those you can record, not only your own play gestures, but maybe things you see and you're watching birds or you're watching animals or you're watching a child play, can you record the motion path? Can you get the hang of doing it inside, doing it over and over and rehearsing it until you really have it, and then sculpting it onto paper with a brush stroke? Next time, we're going to talk about a fascinating experiment that my Naropa classes and I tried with sketches like these. If you're enjoying these podcasts, I think you'll love my book, Original Mind Uncovering Your Natural Brilliance. It's available on Amazon and at EmbraceYourBrain.com.